Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Home Bible, you're drunk. The podcast where we talk about all of the wild bananas things that are in the Bible and all the stories that we thought were normal that are just completely batshit. And um, yeah, we try to figure out if there's any morality to be found in in these Bible tales that we were told. Um, I am Tori Williams Douglas. I am a uh, former white evangelical who isn't white and. Um, Bible college dropout. So I've, you know, read the Bible a lot, a lot of times. And, um, yeah, I got, I got all, I got all the gold stars at church and all the cookies. Cause I read the Bible more than anybody else. So my co-host is Justin Gentry. Uh, I am also a white evangelical who was white. Uh, and <laughs> former, now, former, 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 uh, sorry, I should say former white evangelical, still white, but I dropped the evangelical a while ago, trying to drop the white as much as I can. That's, that's, that's hard. That's, that's harder. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly I'm just down be- behind. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I went to seminary. I went to a, a very white seminary and a very white Bible college. And so, and I have all the gold stars from evangelicalism to prove it. I have degrees. I was defrocked, so I don't have that, but I am ordained in the Eternal Life Church or the Universal Wedding Church, so I can't do your wedding. Uh, just throwing hey. that out there. So, uh, so so that's me, and on this podcast, we talk about the weirdness of evangelicalism, conservative Christianity, the Bible, and what people do with it, and, and is it still good? Does it still hold up now that we've left? I'm not you sure. know, I've actually, since we've started this journey, I have been surprised at how well the Bible has held up. I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or not. Amazing. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, I love it. I love um, it. Speaking of the Bible, though, uh, I was flipping through the interwebs to this week, or uh, mm-hmm. and as one most, does, as one does, and searching about the Bible, and I ran across an article about you know the most Bible-y man that ever did Bible who seriously takes it very seriously, uh, the Reverend Dr. Ken Ham. Tori's flipping me off right now. (laughs) (laughs) The Reverend Dr. Ken Ham is (laughs) raising funds to um, 
I can't even I can't even say the story. It's so weird. He's, He's raising, raising funds, funds to erect the, the Tower of Babel. Erect. erect the Tower of Babel. Okay, so that was the first thing I thought of when you told me this, because I haven't really been online this yeah. week. Uh, I was like, this is going to be extremely phallic. <laughs> Whatever yes. they do on accident <laughs> is going to look like a dick. Yes. Yes, it will look like a dick. Because uh, of all the repressed sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the arc there. <laughs> And the tower coming up behind it, it's going to look like a big cock and balls. I have a feeling. Oh my God, I can't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I need to calm down. So they're they're erecting the Tower of Babel. They're raising money to erect the Tower of Babel. And is, the, is it taxpayer funds this time? I got. I, I am sure they will get a kickback from the oh Kentucky my government. Oh God. Um, you know, and you know, hey, you know, if people want to drive to Kentucky and spend their money there and go to the Ark. Now that's that's on them, I guess. But uh, obviously, it's weird that they're doing this. You know, I think I think building the ark made a certain kind of sense. Just in the, Mm -hmm. I mean, they have dimensions Mm -hmm. for it. It's a structure. The Tower of Babel, like no one, no one really knows. Like I I don't know what it would look like. I guess they're just gonna Google Babylonian architecture and just go from there. I don't know. Babylonian architecture. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Here's what I found really interesting though, and this is from their press release. And I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna just let Tori respond, okay? So here we go. Uh, Among other things, the huge Babel structure uh, will help people understand how genetics research and the Bible conform, confirm, sorry, the origin of all people groups around the world and all people belonging to one biological race and will tackle the racism issue. No, Mm-mm. that is not what's going to happen. Actually, um, can I get? Can I get? This is. I. I hate this. I hate everything about this. I would like to just get really technical for a second. Yeah. Um, if they are talking about genetics, genetics prove that the human race is like two hundred thousand years old. We did not all come from two people six thousand years ago in Mesopotamia. We know that because genetics. So uh, you're clearly not using genetics for anything (laughs) or you're just taking the parts that you like and leaving Mm -hmm. the parts that you don't like. And I'm sure that like once they get their rainbow tower up that will not look like a dick, I promise. um, They're gonna be like, look, we solved racism. Yeah, There are no races. Let's just keep doing white supremacy though because that's cool. That works really well for me. Reading between the lines, this very much when they talk about tackling racism, I think it's going to be mostly there is no race, we're all one people, which is a nice sentiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had there not been over 400 years of institutionalized racism in this country, yeah. sweet, <laughs> you know, had we had that philosophy. 500 years ago hey it might have worked now we're talking (laughs) but we did a lot of the the colonialism and you can't just like magic it away right Um, you can't it's not how it works but i think ken ham's gonna try he's gonna build build a big giant dick in kentucky well that part's fitting that racism isn't real 
Um, yeah, so I, this is, oh my gosh, there's, I have so many feelings about this. I just, it's, it's just, it's so, it's so wrong. Like you said, there's no dimensions in the Bible. It's barely even described. It's like a tower that reaches to the sky and God was like, nope, fuck that shit. And just like gave everybody different languages and sent them all on their way because they couldn't understand one another. Um, like, do which, I get another language after I leave? Like, what? A- like, okay, okay. But he, like, the thing is, like, think about it. Like, if you think about it as a metaphor, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that this is what somebody, this is, this is what people would conclude, right? Of like, how are there all of these people in all of these places? Like, we've never interacted with each other that we know of, we have, because humanity is weird and has done all kinds of crazy shit. Um, like how did how did all of this diversity get here? It's just like God, it was God, it was God. Like we were all together in this one place. We we're all living together. Like this makes perfect sense to me as someone trying to like view it through like an ancient Near Eastern lens, which I can't do obviously because I'm not there. But as a metaphor in that context, like that makes so much sense. Taking it literally makes absolutely no fucking sense at all. And, and it works great as a anthropological artifact to mm. learn about ancient Near Eastern culture. Like, yeah. you know, they experience this, like you said, you know, multiple people, multiple races, multiple languages. This is the conclusion they came to. This tells us about how they saw the world. Like, great, moi, chef's kiss. Love it. This is a thing that actually happened that God actually did and we should worship him and learn about genetics from it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I will say that if, because genetics is fucking wild, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. I will say that the upside of this is that I think that a lot of kids who will have pretty much no exposure to the real world will find out how amazing genetics are and then like try to keep learning. Yeah. Because you can you can learn your way out of evangelicalism, you know, in a single AP biology class. I thought you were going to say in an afternoon. <laughs> well, some people, some people, some people have that. Yeah. For me, it was AP biology. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, just having that, just ha- like because it is so interesting. Because you're going to come across. Um, you know, once you, once you start coming across genetics, then you're going to start coming across like what the impact of the environment on your genes, on your DNA, on your gene expression and how that is different over time. And like, then you're getting into trauma and impacts of like your environment and you're 90% of the way to anti-racism. Yep. Like 90% of the way. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. Like, so yeah. I'm here for that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about you know using using science and using you know all of these tools that we have to really start dismantling these structures that came from mm-hmm. a poor mm-hmm. understanding. Like that's that's amazing. And so, yeah, I think that is an upside. I had a a student when I was a youth pastor who went to the Ark Encounter. I haven't been, never been. Is it close to you? It's actually not that far from me. And okay. people, you know, I actually lived in 
northern Kentucky, just across the river from Cincinnati for about a year or so. And people would ask me all the time how I went. Like, well, no, I have, I've never gone. <laughs> but uh, I had a couple students go, and they said the, their reaction was it was funny how many times in like the exhibit or a presenter or in like a little plaque they would say evolution without saying evolution you know they they would they would just talk about like you know microevolution or biology or it's just the way that they would reword things was they said almost comical after a certain point <laughs> like you're saying evolution without saying evolution <laughs> a lot here <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing so maybe if things really take off with this podcast, we could take a trip to the Creation Museum. I would just throw up in my mouth. Just to just to throw up. Just throw up and leave. I mean, I I've always loved rainbows. So if they do that rainbow shit on the arc, like I will, I will, I will be there for that. Like I love that. We will keep we will keep you all updated on this story as it unfolds. I can't. Oh God, I cannot. Okay, beautiful. Uh, we have another order of business here, Ew. and that is we have uh, we have a we have a Bible verse to give out to one of our patrons. Yeah, uh, who's hey. who's contributed, and uh, it's it is. Make sure I get the name right. This is Sam Mikes. So thank you very much for your contribution. That's his internet name. So you know, yeah. that's just the handle. Um, cool. So he gets a life first. What we do on the, the podcast is if you're a patron, we will give you a life first. We'll flip through the Bible completely randomly and we will give you your verse. So Sam, this is your verse. I'm just going to flip through here just randomly. Close my eyes. Point. All right. Here is your, here's your verse, Sam. Uh, Romans chapter three, verse 14 their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Hey, it's us. And that is us. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. man. I their love Their mouths this. are full of cursing and bitterness. That's for you. That's like, that's like the tagline of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's perfect. And Tori can confirm on video. It was random. <laughs> it was. It was absolutely random. That was like, there was no, that was not pre-planned at all. No. <laughs> the Bible's just beautiful that way. It is beautiful that way. It will give you what you need. It will give you much like your daily horoscope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much, Sam. Yeah, thank you for so much for your contribution. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And we hope that you take that life first and just apply it to everything. 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 Yep. <laughs> Pray about it, meditate on it, swear a bunch. Get a tattoo. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay, so we are going to talk about the Bible, and we are going to do a little drinking game um, because the Bible makes you feel a little drunk. And um, let's see. Today... <clears throat> Um, we are going to talk about alcohol anyway, yes. 
Justin, what are you drinking right now? I'm actually drinking water right now. So Sweet. just water. I'm drinking, I'm drinking strawberry, bubbly, sparkling water. So there's no pressure around alcohol. You can get any kind of beverage you want. Coffee shots, shots of espresso. You know, if mm-hmm. you're on your way to work, that might work for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please don't actually, please don't actually get wasted, wasted, but like, you know, if you're home and safe and you were someone who enjoys drinking, like, why not? Go for Try it. it out. And if you don't want to do that, that's totally fine too. Um, you can do a push up or a burpee or hug your cat, whatever. Just make that it work was, for you. That was a very specific example, Tori. I don't have a cat, but oh. I'm allergic. <laughs> but they're so cute. As am I. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no cats for me. What a I'm lame like, podcast. We don't drink. We don't have cats. I will drink at some point. I could get a drink yeah. actually. Yeah. Should Holiday. this be the podcast where we, we get trashed during the podcast? <laughs> I would say yes, except I actually do have to drive after this. Yeah. So maybe not. We will do that one as well. This is not the time. Not the time. So when are when are we having people drink or do a push up or hug we their cat? We are going to because we're talking about alcohol. I think that we are going to have people drink. Um, when the Bible talks about wine, is that realistic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll be drinking pretty much nonstop, but that's fine. Beautiful. Excellent. <laughs> These are my so, people. So today we're going to be talking about Jesus turning water into wine, which is a fantastic story that, again, uh, kind of a classic, kind of a classic story that a lot of people know about. And I remember learning about it in Sunday school as a kid and, you know, cutting out little figurines of, you know, Jesus and the disciples and whatnot. And so let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And jugs of water that they had you color and cut out. And then they turned colors and then they did like the whole food coloring thing example where they would pour water into from one pitcher into the other. And like the pitcher that is, has water being poured into it. If the water is a different color, it's yeah. Yeah. Churches are really into this story considering how many evangelicals like don't drink really ever. Yeah. I think it's a little different now, but yeah, I think you know it's kind of a projection thing, maybe. Who knows? Like forbidden mm. fruit kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. it's only found in the Gospel of John, which makes it a bit of a unique story to begin with. It's in John chapter two. It's really early on. It's Jesus' first recorded miracle in the book of John. Uh, I do feel like I need to call that out some more because I think in a previous podcast we would just talk about Jesus and as if Jesus is the actor in these stories or the one writing them down. Like this is what Jesus wanted people to know, but really it's not. None of these are what Jesus, the, the man, whether you believe he was also divine and also the son of God, let's set that aside for a second. The person, Mm -hmm. Jesus that walked on the earth, he did not have any impact on what was written down. He didn't have editorial review of these works. So if he comes off as an asshole or a jerk, is blame Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> Not necessarily Jesus. Anyway, um, but he yeah. could have been a total jerk. Who knows? Who knows? Um, 
but this is John chapter two. And, you know, in the first chapter, Jesus is doing his thing. He's recruiting disciples, doing his stuff. And then, you know, it says on the third day. So he's, you know, been out around this town recruiting people. And there's a wedding at Cana in Galilee, which is, this is around the Sea of Galilee. We don't really know where Cana was. Um, but anyway, I think like in Josephus, I think Josephus says he might have spent the night there once. So small town. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Small town. Right. <laughs> I just cool. think that's kind of funny that like the one mention outside of the Bible is Josephus, and he's. I think it's basically a throwaway. Like he had an apartment there one <laughs> one summer. I don't know. Like it's an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's this wedding, and they run out of wine. And his it was Jesus and his disciples are invited to the wedding. Uh, and they run out of wine. And I don't know if they ran out of wine because they didn't plan right or because Jesus brought, you know, more of a crew. His plus one was plus 12. I don't know. <laughs> but they I run mean, out of wine. Under- my understanding Good. is these these wedding things would be like three to seven days yeah. frequently. Um, the wedding celebration. So I think that Jesus pulling up with 12 extra dudes is not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> Uh, but it was a big social faux pas to run out of wine. It was, you know, that was a big deal. Yes. I think even legally you could like be, it's, it was possible to have legal charges brought against you for not being a good host. So this was, this was kind of a serious thing or could it potentially have been a serious thing? And it's probably the, these people were probably family, um, and so Mary is wanting to save face. And so his, his mom comes to him, Mary, and says like, hey, uh, they ran out of wine. Uh, so you, you want to do something about that? And, and Jesus is so, like, woman. Okay, okay, okay go. go. No, finish, finish. I go. have a thought. No, Jesus, no. Is like, just is like, woman. And, and it's not, it's, I don't think it's meant to be derogatory in the sense that like, woman. But it is interesting right. that he's addressing her as like a man addressing a woman, not mm-hmm. a son addressing a mother. It's mm-hmm. just, that's interesting. But he says, you know, um, why are you saying this to me? My time has not yet come. Uh, which is a big theme in John where it's like, my time is not, you come, it's not time. It's not time. It's not time. And then eventually at the end it's time, but (laughs) spoiler, (laughs) but that's like a thing Jesus says a lot. So go ahead with your thought. Oh my gosh. I just, I love that. I love that his mom was just like, well, I mean, who's going to take care of this? Like this guy can do something like I just, it's it's funny that it's like this is his first miracle quote unquote and his mom is already like hey i needed to handle this <laughs> like yeah. she knew what was up somehow i mean moms are smart so i'm not i'm not i wouldn't put it past her i just think it's hilarious that she was like yeah this is the one this is the time it's like my hour my time has not not yet come it's like if your mom says it's time to go it is time to go yeah right this is your time <laughs> like get out, get out there. You got to handle this. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm very curious about the fact that Mary was like, I know what's up here. (laughs) Yeah. I see you making wine in your room. I know you can do this. Anyway. So, so his mom is the one that really does a lot of the action here. She's like, she doesn't really even wait for his answer. He says, my time has not yet come. And then she's just tells the servants, hey, 
you know, do what he tells you to do. So they get six stone water jars, which there's some lovely symbolism there that um, I'm not really going to get into. Uh, they fill up these, you know, jars of wine and he says, Hey, take it to the, take it to the master of ceremonies, the party planner, whatever. And the wedding coordinator, take this to the wedding coordinator. And you know, the wedding coordinator drinks it and Oh, it's wine. And it's not just, it's not just any wine. It's good wine. And good wine here is not necessarily nice tasting It's probably also rather alcoholic. Um, wine at that time, it's hard to measure alcohol content. Um, but based on the methods used between five and 20% alcohol, depending <laughs> on, depending on, depending on the vintage and, and this and that and the other. Okay. Um, so, you know, and wine, wine amongst alcoholic bad. drinks is, can be rather alcoholic. And it's one of the tricky drinks because you just drink it away and all of a sudden, oops. Oops. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like, Wine at this time was not like naturally weaker or something. Like Jesus made some good wine, and and the party was saved. Yay! People could keep partying. Yeah, you can't really. Yeah. I mean, apparently it was even two thousand years ago. People really felt like you needed you needed some alcohol at social yeah. events in order to make anything happen. So yeah, and Jesus agreed. And so, Jesus agreed. He yeah. co-signed on that. Yeah, he, I, oh my gosh. If, if he wasn't the, you know, partaking in the wine, he was definitely the dealer. So <laughs> the like, dealer. Like, Oh God, Jesus, the sommelier. <laughs> this, yeah. So, and this is his first miracle and there's some symbolism there. You know, there's the, you know, new wine skin, old wine skin type of stuff, mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. like the law of Moses being this, and there's the, now there's this new, better wine. You know, there's some symbolism you can draw from this story, mm -hmm. but you know, it's just another one of those stories, like similar to what we did last week with Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's, you know, he's, you know, if this miracle is true and this the supernatural explanation is the is historically accurate he's displaying this like powerful mastery over matter and energy uh -huh. and it's to save face at a wedding right. <laughs> well, priorities yeah it's one of the it's either it's a fantastic priority or it's a Fair. real shitty priority just really Fair. It really depends on how you're looking at it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I have to say this because it's making me completely batty. But like NIV version, it says like when you're talking about the stone jars, it's like six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each of each holding from twenty to thirty gallons, right? So NIV yeah. is very much Americanizing it. But I'm like, so people were washing in these things of water and then he turned the washing water into wine is that what i'm gathering here <laughs> well they filled it up fresh so there's that okay, they did fill it up fresh okay but it's i don't know i don't know yeah, they were empty. it's like the holy it's like the it's like the holy water situation it's like oh, yeah no. so jesus turned the holy water into wine and people drank it i mean i guess if it's if that's the alcohol content there's no germs left so yeah. <laughs> oh man i just like ew that's disgusting yeah this is no like 
I mean, they were possibly portable bathtubs, but it does specifically say that they filled them up with. Uh, yeah, now draw out some water and take it to the store. So I'm, it seems to me like they were empty. They were sitting there empty. And they were filled <laughs> okay. them up. And that, so this was just like a way to transport water. And I'm sure there's, you know, if I really dug into my biblical archaeology brain, I could find, you know, probably some picture or something. But um, these are it's 20 and 30 gallons. You know, it's a lot of wine. That's a lot of wine. <laughs> Like how, and, how many, how many, well, I guess they probably had, I mean, it was probably pretty much the whole town was there. Yeah. The town being probably less than 50 people, right? And then some extended family, but I don't know. I'm speculating. That's, it's a, it's a, it's a shit ton of wine. Yeah. It's like 120 gallons of wine. Like, oh gosh. Oh gosh. A lot. That's a lot of, that's like emergency wine. Yeah. That's like, that's like the big one hits and you don't, you don't, you can't leave for four weeks wine. That's what that is. It's pandemic wine. It's pandemic <laughs> wine. Yes. Pandemic levels of wine. Yeah. Oh God. Oh my so, God. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth. And this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. So um, so it's definitely wine in the story that's made very clear. Um, Except it wasn't. Yeah, but yeah, what they tell you? They told us that it was either extremely weak wine or it was just grape juice. Mm -hmm. Grape juice is disgusting. Yeah, (laughs) I I hate grape juice. That shit is nasty. Like taking communion, not a fan. Really, not a fan. No. So yeah. Anyway, it was it was fun fun times. Yeah, I have I have a I have a great aunt to this day that maintains that it was grape juice. But grape juice because, is so gross. Because here's here's the interesting thing. Okay. The the explanation that that she gives, and I've heard you know hundreds of times from evangelicals, is that it was turned into grape juice because because Jesus wouldn't do that. You know, Jesus wouldn't drink wine. And so because, because, well, here's what I find fascinating. They, they have this idea, Jesus wouldn't drink wine. Okay, well, now we're faced with a passage that says he did. So rather than go with what the passage of the Bible says, they're like, well, no, because of what I believe about Jesus, this passage can't be true, essentially. And... And I times that by basically the entire Bible. And that is a, in a lot of ways, in, lo, in a lot of ways, I see that as what evangelicalism does to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, there's this, you know, the, the public face is that we take the Bible seriously, but 
the reality is, and I can say this having been an evangelical pastor for over 10 years, having studied at evangelical institutions, interacted with them my entire life, they don't give a fuck about what the Bible says. Right. Like they don't actually care. Right. When it comes down to it, if it doesn't match my preconceived beliefs, if it doesn't match my politics, then that's not actually the Bible. And so mm -hmm. I will shoehorn this ancient text into my belief system, my worldview to give it legitimacy. Um, mm -hmm. But actually following what it says, they don't care. Right. And, and this is just one small, honestly, innocent example of it, you know, but it, to me, it like, it opens up this much larger question of like, well, what other things are you convinced that Jesus wouldn't do? Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's talk about the poor. The Bible mentions taking care of the poor a lot. The Bible actually has some very socialistic <laughs> solutions to yeah, taking to care poverty. of the poor and yeah. poverty um, and debt forgiveness and, you know, not charging exorbitant interest for loans and paying your taxes. Like, there's, there's so many of these examples, but and laying down your arms, beating your weapons into plowshares, like, mm. and somehow those, you know, like, well, the Bible really didn't say that, or whatever. It's a little, it's, it's, it's definitely a pattern. I yeah. will, <laughs> I will say that. I also think it's really funny, because like now I'm trying to think about all of the translations that I've read of, of the last supper, because it was, it's just kind of assumed that that was wine. So this argument that Jesus wouldn't drink wine, like it's just very bizarre. It's, it's just, he drinks wine. Like, why are you saying, why are yeah. you doing this? Why is this the hill that you were going to die? on? Yeah. Yeah. And he was later on. And I think it was, I think it's in the book of John. I have to, look but later on he is accused of being a drunkard and a glutton like that is yeah. one of the things like you don't get accused of being a drunkard and a glutton unless you eat a lot and drink a lot uh-huh like or at yeah. least a little publicly at least a little bit yeah. maybe maybe the person doesn't like you so they yeah. exaggerate but yeah, jesus doesn't seem very concerned with his witness um <laughs> <laughs> turn water into wine Hanging this out is, with awful people. So this, is, this is where all those boat naps came from. Jesus <laughs> just got wasted. Hung over. And he's asleep <laughs> in the bottom of the boat. And that's why they got to shake him awake. I cracked yeah. the cake. You did. It's problem solved. I mean, I, to get me to fall asleep on a boat, period, you, I would have to get really drunk. <laughs> for one. So, oh, yeah. what are those rickety old boats? Oh, there's no way. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. I would have to no. be high and drunk. Like, I really would. Like, I could, no. Like, a boat now? Like, yes. Mm. A boat 2,000 years ago? Hell no. Yeah, we're just basically a piece of wood with a sail <laughs> on it. <laughs> like, we're taking a nap. Nope. No, I am not, actually. Oh. I'll be wide awake this entire time trying to figure out the closest, the closest place to swim. Yeah. Wondering why I didn't take the shorter route, which is walking around the walking. lake. <laughs> it's shorter to walk. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I guess maybe if you like, if you throw your friends out to the wolves and they're just rowing against the wind for three or four hours, maybe it isn't faster to walk unless there's a nasty storm. It's true. I don't know. Yeah. Boating actually probably wasn't that fast. Like, you know. Yeah. And they were fishermen. It's not like they were speedboat people. True. So true. Uh, here's another interesting angle on this story that. I, I found interesting just in researching for this podcast was we don't know the identity of the, the bridegroom or the bride. Mm-hmm. So because we don't know the identity of the bridegroom or the bride, uh, Christians have speculated wildly <laughs> and some of the things are interesting. So okay, uh, there, there's been some speculation. I think there's a couple of Catholic bishops that put forward that this was the wedding of the disciple John. Like this was his wedding, uh, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, because feel away, feel away about that. It, well, because I think it's because it's your own, it only appears in John. And right. so why would, why would, why would it be put there unless it okay. had some connection okay. to John? So I, I get that argument. I get sure. the argument that, you know, John, John in particular in the book of John really tries to center himself in the action. That's true. A lot. <laughs> But isn't, isn't that like, isn't, wouldn't that make this story not line up? Because usually he's like Jesus' favorite disciple. Yeah. <laughs> and this one, he doesn't mention himself. Yeah. So that, that's where I find that to be a weak argument because, yeah. you know, because yeah, it's like, it would make sense if like the disciple Jesus loved was getting married and the disciple Jesus loved was really sad about it and you know, drank a lot because the <laughs> disciple Jesus loved was gay. And... <laughs> Damn it, I knew you were going to do that to me. <laughs> I was waiting to take a drink. <laughs> um, so, so there's that one. There's also um, some people that speculate that this was a Jesus wedding. This was Jesus getting married to Mary Magdalene. Um, really? Okay. Which, which to me actually kind of lines up a little better. It makes a little more sense about Mary coming to him and being like, hey, what we ran out of wine. And, mm-hmm. and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So to me, I, I kind of like that. Um, it's, it's still not perfect. Uh, but, but in some apocryphal books, there were, you know, there, there were mentions of him having, you know, sexual relationship with Mary Magdalene of them being married, you know, like the gospel of Thomas mentions it or some, mm-hmm. you know, so possible, maybe my favorite, my favorite one, though, was uh there was a mormon um i don't know if they're theologians whatever they are oh yeah it's theologian (laughs) yeah that said this was jesus wedding and he was getting married to mary magdalene mary and martha (laughs) the other mary (laughs) and martha he was getting married to all three of them hell yeah i'm here for (laughs) that shit yeah so this was a polygamist polyamorous arrangement and yeah so i thought that was funny because <laughs> he was trying to justify polygamy any way he could <laughs> so like, yeah this was jesus wedding and he was getting married to these three random ladies <laughs> these three random named women this in the is, bible this is amazing okay now i have to go and, and talk to my eczema friends and be like were you taught that jesus was married because i i need to know this right now <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm trying that's to, hilarious. Yeah. 
So yeah, I don't I don't have the note up as to what, what the guy's name was, but this was, oh no, I, it's I, think, fine. I think it was Joseph it's Smith. Fine. It was like one of his like people, right? But I just find that hilarious that like not only was Jesus married, but Jesus was married to three women mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean that's how you lock down the funds for your ministry because they were all three wealthy ladies. So <laughs> that would be, you know. You gotta do what you gotta do. Jesus. Get a couple sugar mamas. Yeah. So assuming it maybe was Jesus' wedding, do or I guess what do you think of the idea of Jesus being married? Was that something that ever entered into the conversation when you were an evangelical? Mm-mm. No, it definitely didn't. That was seen as pretty um that was pre- seen as pretty heretical. <laughs> to even discuss um and i you know it was just like you know i've I've had people talk to me about it obviously over the years like just ideas that they've come across or read about and you know i'm like it's a fascinating to entertain it's neither here nor there for me me personally the Mm -hmm. most interesting thing about jesus is the fact that he did not have a biological dad which means that his sex chromosomes were XX. Mm-hmm. And um, that makes me really fucking happy. So yeah. that's, that's interesting to me. Like Jesus is getting married. I'm like, hey, whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it makes sense that he would have. And it makes sense that that would have been like kind of pushed out of the narrative as much as possible yeah. to me personally, just like thinking back on just the, the culture, right? At the time, um, the fact that Jesus is rolling around with a bunch of with a bunch of dudes, and they somehow have income. <laughs> yeah, and it was mostly it was mostly from the ladies bankrolling the ministry, which I think uh-huh. is fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think yeah, it's interesting what becomes compelling and what doesn't, because I think yeah. it may have been compelling to me at one point that Jesus had a wife, but I think now it it is interesting if jesus was xx chromosome and how that would have manifested whether he was intersex or or something else or like to me that and and honestly even if we're gonna go with the whole you know if the creation story is real with adam being somehow split apart with eve Mm -hmm. like he he is you know the next the the new adam genetically speaking as well because you know adam would have oh, been yeah. Um, Ooh. yeah wait so does this mean that does this mean that adam also had xx sex chromosomes maybe we're getting really pseudoscientific here we're getting um, way into the weeds with all of this but um, but i do find that that to me that's more of a compelling narrative um yeah i actually do i actually don't i think i would push back against the idea though that people would have found that to be wrong of him initially totally. to be married i don't think that he would to be married but yeah. i do think the gospels are written certainly after paul became popular mm-hmm. um there's a lot of argument as to when the date there's some people that are early date some people are later date um right. i would say the earliest date would be 65 ad that would be the absolute earliest you could okay. i think there were i personally think they're written after that but let's just say that yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's still 30 some odd years after after, after jesus death 
Um, this is also after Paul, you know, rose to prominence and mm-hmm. Paul rising to prominence and kind of like downplaying marriage. I wonder if that's, if Jesus was married, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's when like, oh, well, that's just what we do. Um, right. right. I wonder if We're Paul maybe had an influence that. on that. This is just me speculating. Um, yeah. on things we can't actually know <laughs> True. but I mean, there were there were definitely like sects of christianity that um did not allow any form of sexual relationships or procreation and um you know so that's been a thing from time to time they largely die out because apparently the only way that you can keep people in the christian faith is by making them yourself yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that those didn't those didn't go real hard for for a lot of people but yeah i don't know this is where catholics really have that one down because they're like yeah the priests can't have sex but everyone else uh birth control is illegal (laughs) 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 kind of kind of that happy medium (laughs) between Uh those uh two extremes right you're gonna meet in the middle yeah (laughs) so yeah i um I don't know what to say about this particular passage. It's it's an interesting yeah, it is. slice. I think it. I think John. I, I'm glad we have the Book of John to bring out this weird story that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah, yeah. If you I mean, were gonna go ahead, I was just like, I'm just trying to think about like what the what the moral of the story is, and I kind of feel like maybe it's loosen up. Yeah. Maybe. I think having this does kind of give a lot of levity to Jesus. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, even, yes, I have phenomenal cosmic power, uh, but I will use it to lighten up the mood at a wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a good, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not something that someone with a stick up their ass, like, like white Republican Jesus would ever do. No. But then no. as you pointed out, just moments ago those people who worship white republican jesus don't believe this happened so. yes they, they conveniently erase this story out of the scriptures to make jesus yeah. have a stick up his butt <laughs> so. you know it's really important to, to make god in your own image it's true so they all say yeah it's very important what do you, I mean, what do you what do you feel like do you feel like there's a, a moral here or something that you could take away from it now uh, I think, yeah, I, I'm really of two minds of it. On the one hand, yeah, the, the lighten up, the levity of it, and the making space in your life for those moments of celebration, I think is a, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good message. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially as people get involved in just the work of life or the work yeah. of advocacy of some way, or the work of, you know, political work, w- religious work, creative work, whatever work you feel called to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in Jesus' case, it was, you know, being yeah. an itinerant teacher or whatever. Um, taking those breaks to, to get trashed at a wedding, uh, I think is important. It's a human thing. Um, mm-hmm. we, need, mm-hmm. we need that. Mm-hmm. so that that is yeah. a good moral to come out um i think it still to me sometimes raises those questions of okay you could make turn water into wine but i'm sure there were people starving like a town over mm-hmm. so like kind of like a both and jesus like the levity is great here 
but also also there's no social security yet <laughs> like yeah you gotta help some people out without a lot of trouble you could be the social safety net here um yeah. but but that's that's not really what those stories here to address and so that's true that's not i don't think that's a moral to take out of it i just think that's something that i sometimes think about myself mm-hmm. yeah for sure sweet well, you're gonna like this, I think I go like story a little more now. Yeah, I do. I think so. If you were gonna cast Jesus in this story in a film, who would be water making water turning into wine Jesus to you? Mm, probably Seth Rogen. I can see that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say Will Ferrell. So yeah, right. Go to right. Channel, exactly. channel a little like, Frank the Tank here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I definitely, I definitely see it. I can definitely see it. It's yeah. like a little bit of a prankster. I get that trickster deity coming out a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm there. Dig it. So, all right. Well, let's wrap this one up. I think. Yeah. Sounds good. Yay. No, I actually feel like we I feel like we saved the story a little bit. We did. Just a little bit. Yeah. We redeemed it. We redeemed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So we are on social media. Yes. From time to time at Go Home Bible on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want your own life first, you can go to patreon.com slash go home bible and sign up and you will get a verse given to you inspired directly by, from the Holy spirit mm-hmm. on the fly. And it's just, it's going to be your life first. So it's, it it's going to, it's going to change your life. Yeah. Mm. Justin, where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, I am on the Twitters at Justin D Gentry and also on the Instagrams at Justin dot Gentry. So, mm. so very good. You will see me on the things. And you are on the things as well. I am. Yeah. Not Tori Glass, Twitter and Instagram. I'm there a lot or, or not at all. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of a hot and cold thing. Uh Uh-huh. Really is. Really is over (laughs) here. Sweet. Okay. I think we did it. We did. All right. Thanks everybody. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. God bless you. Everyone. Trickster, trickster Jesus bless you. Yes. That's better. May the trickster guide you this week. Amen. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.